to the Uproom Frisco podcast. To learn more about your Frisco, please visit uproomfrisco.com. I want to say that we have, um, we have something special here. Um, and uh, I don't say that because I'm the leader. I've, I've been part of some pretty incredible moves of God and gatherings. And, and I just want you to hear from my heart that I believe that we're on the front edge of one of the greatest moves of God, a reformation that's going to sweep the world. And, and you guys are part of it. And it's just an honor to, to serve the Lord here and, and, and worship Jesus with you guys. And yesterday was um, powerful. We, we went to uh, the event Gen Z for Jesus, which was so, so awesome. Um, there are just these great moments of adoration, worshiping Jesus, and seeing you know, thousands of young people just dancing in the presence and in, in the joy of the Lord uh, was so, so powerful. Um, and listening to Lou Engle uh, speak identity, speak vision over uh, the youngsters, over the next generation. And uh, for me, it was, uh, it was extra profound. I know that it was, it was amazing for everyone, but the reason I say it was extra profound for me is because I was once 13 years old while Lou Engle was speaking identity and vision for Jesus over me. And it was... I'm uh, really proud of our church family for just how we showed up. And, uh, and I want to let you guys know from the Lord that you're equal sharers. If you, if you contributed, if you volunteered, if you prayed, if you showed up, you're equal sharers in the fruit and the lives of all those kids. You know, there uh, events like that often create... Uh, these life-changing moments where you can look back decade after decade after decade and say, no matter what has transpired in my life, that was a real moment with God. Or you can look back decade after decade after decade and say, no matter where, no matter what I'm feeling right now, that was a life-changing moment where God showed up, showed me his love, showed me that he's real. And those, uh, those moments really mark people for life. And everyone who shared did such an amazing job. Everyone who prayed did such an amazing job. But if you're anything like me, uh, I, I sat there and I started thinking about, what would I say if I had a mic in front of my face and I had the attention of thousands of these young, malleable hearts, impressionable <laughs> youngsters that are so moldable, what, what would I say if I had a mic in my hands at that moment? And um, I was just thinking about that again this morning and praying, and I was writing down some things with the Holy Spirit, and I think that what I might say is to these, these hearts is that there's nothing more important in your life than your friendship with Holy Spirit. A little bit of feedback for confirmation. 
I would say that you know, dancing is, is wonderful, but there are people w- without the ability to dance, and the Lord sees the dance in their heart. I would say that you know, singing and shouting are wonderful, but there are people who are unable, and God hears their love song. Their internal prayers are a sweet-smelling incense and altar to the Lord. I would say that you are a temple where, where God lives, and your heart and his heart are intertwined in a divine embrace, and that place of encounter inside of you is more important than anything else in this world. That is the treasure for which Jesus laid it all down. And that although acts of praise are, are powerful, that place of encounter is more important than any outward display. And if you're anything like me, you, you've probably had moments where you looked back when you were young and thought, why don't I pray as loud and as long as I used to? Or... Or why don't I fast as, as hard as I did? And, and you have these moments, if you're anything like me, where you're wondering, like, have I gone lukewarm because these kids look fiery hot? Yeah. And I, w- I think that I would say to these kids that I've had a lot of burnouts in my life. And I think it's because I was living off my passion for Jesus instead of his passion for me. If it's, if it's about my devotion, it's going to fail. It's, sometimes it's even hard for me to sing songs where I'm singing things like, I'm always going to worship you, because that's been proven wrong so many times. Or, you know, all my days, I'll follow I might say, if if I was standing in front of all those kids, I might say that that Jesus showed us exactly what God is like, and God never changed. And when we see that he never changes, it changes everything. I would tell them that you're altogether lovely and desired by God before you even chose him before you chose to get cleaned up by him, I would say to them that God wraps skin around his dream, and it's you. And I might even quote the great Ryan Crowell to all of these kids, and I would say the greatest deliverance is getting delivered of my need to do something great for God. And falling back into the reality that every day I get to do great things with God. That every moment with him is great. Speaking of dreams, I, I, had a, I had a dream this week, and I believe it was from the Lord. I was preaching, or I was supposed to preach, and I think it was up a room Frisco. Uh, and we were leading up to the, uh, the service, and I realized that I'd forgotten my computer, I'd forgotten my Bible. And I had forgotten to wear a shirt. <laughs> so that's, that's not going to happen. So. <laughs> we'll, get, 
back around to the shirt thing, but I think it just talks about being vulnerable and open and un- uncovered. And, um, but in the dream, I, when I realized I'd forgotten my Bible and my computer, so I had no, no notes, but I, but I kind of breathed a sigh of relief because I had memorized Matthew chapter 6. And I thought I could just share from my heart, from Matthew 6. And then when I stood up in front of everyone, I began to quote Matthew, what I thought I was quoting Matthew 6, but what came out was Luke 11. It was really interesting. And so I, this week I looked up and, and I've read both Matthew 6 and Luke 11 many times, but it this week, it hit me that the Lord's Prayer is in both of them. In fact, they're very parallel chapters. There's a lot of similar verses in Matthew 6 and Luke 11. And I, I began to just ask the Lord, what is it that he, that he really wants to, to pull out of Luke 11? And, and I, I know this sounds like a little bit swirly and weird, but I started seeing 11-11 all over the place. Anybody ever have that where you see numbers over and over? Guys, often it's the Lord speaking, it's the Holy Spirit. Just uh, embrace it and start looking up the, uh, the verses that it could pertain to. Powerful things happen. But anyway, I was seeing 11.11 everywhere. And even yesterday at Gen Z for Jesus, I was thinking about this very moment of like what, what I would say to our church, to our body. And just then a guy walks in front of me and on his shirt it says 11.11. It's... <laughs> I think he, just, he was just wearing one of those super prophetic shirts, making everybody look up at 11.11 verses in the Bible. <clears throat> and so um, I, I, went to, um, I went to Luke 11.11. You know, that whole chapter is amazing. Uh, let me just back up. The, the disciples asked Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus jumps into the Lord's Prayer, which we recited this morning, which millions and millions of believers for 2,000 years have recited together. Isn't that incredible that we get to step into that kind of legacy? And then, um, and then he jumps right into this, this parable, and Jesus says, suppose one of you has a friend who comes to him at midnight and says, uh, a friend of mine has come to me on a long journey, and I have nothing to set before him. Lend me three loaves of bread. So the one inside answers and says, I'm already in bed, my kids are in bed with me, and the door's locked, I'm not going to get up and give you anything. And it, but then it goes on to say, although he's not going to give him the bread because he's his friend, yet because of the man's boldness, he'll get up and give him as much as he wants. So I say to you, ask and you'll receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open to you. And then you get to verse 11, which says, which one of you fathers, if your son asked for a fish, would give him a snake instead? Or if, you, or if your son asked for a, uh, an egg, would you give him a scorpion? And he goes on to say, if, if you then, though you are evil or broken, your broken fathers, your earthly fathers, if you know how to give good gifts to your kids, how much more will your father give you the Holy Spirit? Isn't that just like our Father to give us everything when we have nothing to offer in return? You know, I, I might tell those kids at Gen Z for Jesus that 
If you're seeking truth with all your heart, you're going to find him. That if you're asking for something for the Father, he's not going to give you something that poisons you. He's not going to lead you into deceit. But he's going to give you good things. I might tell them that uh, the love of God is, is more than they can comprehend. That they could walk out those, the doors of that conference having not given their lives to Jesus and serve the enemy, and it wouldn't change the Father's love for them and his pursuit of them. And that is the reason why you can trust him with your heart right now. I might tell them, this is what the Holy Spirit whispered to me this morning. He said it to me. Because, you know, we, we get in these mindsets sometimes like, oh, I know why God saved me. It's because... I'm so gifted. <laughs> or, oh, I know why like, he brought me into the kingdom. It's because I can do this you know, and that and that. And, and the, the Holy Spirit whispered to me, you have nothing that I need, but you're everything that I want. I think I would say that to those teenagers. I would say that salvation is a free gift. When Jesus says to his disciples in Matthew 10, 8, freely you have received, now freely give, he's talking about um, a gift. And uh, you guys know that if, can you earn a gift? If you earned it, it ontologically ceases being a gift and it becomes a wage. We know all about wages, right? For the wages of sin is but the gift. So God took us out of a transactional existence into one where we're given a free gift that is beyond anything that we can pay back. And to try to pay it back is actually an offense to the beauty of the gift itself. I would tell him that Jesus took the shame that was designed by the enemy for us. I would say that while we were working and eventually going to be paid death, Jesus came in our place, died for us, died as us, and received our full payment of death. He tasted death for all of us, and he laid death in his own grave when he came back from the dead and freed us from the ruler of this age. It says in, in Hebrews 2.14, you guys know who held the power of death? It says in Hebrews 2.14 that it was Satan who held the power of death. This is what it says. Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, Jesus himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who were held in slavery all of their lives because of their fear of death. If you can imagine, what Jesus did is he saw all of his kids that had been bamboozled and swindled and shanghaied into working for an evil, ruthless taskmaster, and the wages that we would eventually be paid is death, and he couldn't have it anymore. And he came and he took all the payment that was due us. He took all the death that was due us and ransomed us 
This is Mark 10, 45. The Son of Man didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Beloved, who do ransoms go to? Good guys or bad guys? He paid our debt to death and transferred us into the kingdom of light. The Old Testament actually predicted this free gift of salvation this is uh, Isaiah 55, 1, which starts with a loud ho. Can we all go, ho? Ho! <laughs> Waking us up. Ho! <laughs> Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters and drink. You who have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without cost. I mean, that's some vintage wine that I want to uncork today with you guys, the free stuff. And then <laughs> uh, Revelation twenty two seventeen says something really similar. It says, the spirit and the bride say, come. Let him who hears say, come. Let anyone who is thirsty come and let the one who wishes take the free gift of the water of life. I think that I would tell all those kids that the only reason we have the ability to love is because he loved us first. 1 John 4.10. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son. And it says he would be an, an atoning sacrifice. That word atone means at one. So atonement is literally at one mint. How do you make two parties one again? How can God reconcile mankind back into his heart? It's through Jesus. First John 4, 19 says it like this. We love because he loved us first. You know, Jesus, he's the, he's the guy that comes along and realizes that, you know, when, when he knows that he is in charge of the universe, when everything has been placed under his feet, what does he do? He takes off his shirt. Like in that dream, he wraps a towel around his waist. He stoops down with a water basin and begins to wash feet. Beloved, Real love gets low and washes feet. And Peter had a problem with this. When Jesus went to wash Peter's feet, he was like, no, 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 no. Like, not, no. And, and Jesus is like, if I, if I don't do this, you can have no part in me. In other words, Jesus, he's not talking about a, a cleansing in this moment. He wants to serve Peter in a way that Peter thinks is below Jesus' station. See, the lowest servant in the household is the one that washes feet. He waits at the door for everyone to come in the house, and the only way to get in the house is for the, the feet to be washed. Everything that they walk through that day gets washed off their feet, and then they're in the house. Well, Jesus in this moment is prophesying that I want you in my house so bad that I'll be the one that washes your feet at the door. He's always running off the porch, isn't he? Like we covered in Luke 15 last week, that parable of the, the lost sheep and the lost coin and the lost son. We learned about the nature of God, how God pursues us. He carries us. He searches for us. He values us, and he celebrates us. See, while we were hoping for a pardon, he was ready to throw a party. He was compelled 
by his deep love to celebrate his son that turned back from his destructive ways. When people ask who I am, I want to say that I'm the one he found. I'm the one he brought back. I'm the one that he tracked down. I want my identity to line up with Isaiah 62, 12, where it says that from this day forward, you'll be called sought after. See, in those moments of worship, you know, I could easily sing about how I'm going to follow Jesus, but it's only because he followed me down my path of self-destruction and he carried me out. I could sing about how I'm going to love him, but it's only because he loved me first. I think if I was standing in front of those thousands of teens, I would say that your name is sought after. I would say that just like John, you're the one that the Lord loves. See, John was chosen to have such revelation because he didn't identify himself as the one who loves the Lord, but the one the Lord loves. Can the ministry team and the worship team come up? Holy Spirit, this morning I ask for just a recalibration of our hearts that we would, we would realize how desired we are by you, how celebrated we are. That you are the shepherd that left the 99 for, for us. That you are the woman <clears throat> who lit the lamp to find that one lost coin and we were the lost coin. Father, that you would show us how you are the one who runs off the porch. <clears throat> you know, in that story, when we turn to the Lord, what if, what if the robe that he throws on us is the one that he took off to wash the disciples' feet? That he would clothe us with his very own garments. Can we stand together in honor of this great love? Ministry time, I, I want it to be uh, specifically for receiving the Lord's love in a way that disables the performance spirit in our hearts. You can also come forward if you have healing, like you need healing in your body, that's cool too. Holy Spirit, would you sweep through this room again? you touch our hearts with your love? Would you take us back to the simplicity, the most powerful thing in the world, the reality that we are loved? <clears throat>